The content of this podcast is provided as general informational purposes only. It is not intended for, nor should it be used to replace professional behavior intervention and advice. This is Sissy. And this is Susan, and we are Function Junction. Behavior matters. You know what else matters? What else matters? Really, really sweet parents and teachers. Oh, yes. Yes. And we have a student to talk about that. We have both had the opportunity to work with in our past where that really does come into play. Very wonderful teachers, very wonderful family um, with a student who had some pretty significant issues going on. Yeah. So we're going to call this little fellow Liam for the purposes of our story. And I had been doing some work in his classroom with his teacher and him, and you went to the home too, didn't you? I did. I can't wait to talk about that. Yeah. So this was during the time of COVID when people were sick and people were missing school. And this student had had a very significant change in his behavior, in his attention to task. And so I came in to try to help the classroom figure out what could we do for him. Yeah, this it was, was weird. It was like a, a really significant change and decline, really. I hate to use that word, but it really was. And, you know, this is a classroom that's very structured. The teacher is very, very good. The staff are very, very good. And it was weird. It was like something happened. And and I think that's the question of what, what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So they knew that he liked certain videos. They knew that he liked certain toys. They knew that he liked certain treats. And there was a rotation of those reinforcers. And they were, you know, thinking, well, we we keep this list of reinforcers. Mom is telling us what he likes. Everybody that works with him, if they come up with something new that he enjoyed, they added it to the list of reinforcers. Because of his inability to attend to instruction, they added more structure to his work area so that, you know, when he was in his work area, really there was nothing else to see but the work that was in front of him. I would say it was like a three-sided work system where he was facing the wall, right? Yes, yes. A high degree of structure. And what is unusual is he had been able to do three, four tasks, you know, and do more of them and then get rewarded and Mm -hmm. come back to work. And it was a struggle to get him to do one task or to get him to do one, you know, a second task and then be rewarded and then getting him to come back from being rewarded was a struggle. So there was um, a lot, a lot going on with him. He was still able to get some work done, but not at the level that he had been. And he was developing this, grabbing the other students, throwing materials across the room. Yeah. And he's always been a very curious child. Um, If you're not able to talk and say, hey, I'd like to go see what's in that room over there. Probably you're just going to run, go see what's in that room over there. Uh, You know, so those behaviors had been around for a while, but being curious, you know, and and we talked about, well, let's work on his communication to help him say, I want to go see that or or some phrase with a picture, something that says, take me there, whatever it is. But really that pretty much had to be abandoned for a bit because he couldn't be trusted to not hurt himself or others within that classroom. Yeah. You know, he needed an adult with him 
all the time, even in the classroom, so that he could stay safe and the other kiddos could stay safe. He's not a mean child. He wasn't trying to hurt anyone, not really trying to hurt himself, but just curious or, or whatever. We weren't sure what was causing this change in his behavior to the point that he needed an adult very close to him all the time so that he would stay safe and the rest of the class. And there, there was a little boy in there that was pretty vulnerable in terms of his health. Like, didn't he have, there was a student who had some health issues, but yeah, yeah Liam was not, he wasn't one of those kids that just, you know, had a mad look on his face all the time and was hitting people to get what he wants and things like that. It wasn't anything like that at all. And I, we loved his curiosity. You know, we loved that he wanted to see what's around it. And the communication system was working for him, right? Yeah, yeah. He was beginning to do some of that. And most of the time before this sudden change, he loved doing his little structured work, you know, where he would match letters and words and numbers and count sets. And it was very cool to watch how hard he would work. And he actually, you could see his body calming down before Mm -hmm. this, you know, ramped up when he was working, that it felt good to him, that structure of work and and showing people what he knew. And then it it got to where work really wasn't doing that for him. Mm -hmm. And again, with materials flying out of his work area or across the room, if he was in play, made us begin to worry about how to keep him safe. And I, I think that's a piece of when you, you came in on that one to go see the home, right? Yeah. So, and and I'll just add, you know, the teacher and the parent collaborate beautifully. You know, the teacher would send home three work tasks that she worked on that day and mom would do them with him that night. And then she'd send him home and the teacher would send more the next day. Like anyway, so I met with the mom at school and we had a conversation and, you know, she's as, as concerned as everybody else, you know, it's wonderful, wonderful mom, very involved, lovely. And so we decided that we were going to offer some in-home training and and parent training. And so the school psychologist did the evaluation. And on my next visit in the district, I made a home visit with one of the specialists. And this mom, oh my gosh, she's just perfect. Like she's got, she's like, I have lists of his possible reinforcers. I have lists of the routines, both morning and afternoon. I just need pictures for them, which of course the district provided. She was like, okay, I think I'm going to put his little work system here. We usually do our work at the dinner table, but I like that for meals only. So I'm going to put it over here by my desk and we're going to have a finished pot, you know, a left to right work system, finished box. And so she took us on a tour of the house and um, we went in his bedroom and it was a pretty small bedroom, but he has a bunk bed and he likes to sleep on the first bunk. So he can kind of you know, get under under there like kids like to do. And, and then she opened up his closet and she said, these are all his materials and toys. And they were all organized in plastic shoe boxes and bins and, you know, color coded and everything. And I said, where are his clothes? And she was like, oh, they're in my closet. Like, oh my gosh, mom, I love you. And she was telling us, you know, he's not toilet trained and he's ready because he went into mom's bedroom and he took off his pull-up and he urinated on the floor. And then he ran into the bathroom and he stood up against the toilet like a a male would do. And I was like, okay, mom, he is ready. He is ready. We've got it. And we talked about all the tips, you know, putting underwear inside the pull-ups, taking him every couple of hours, you know, after every major activity, go in there, sit him on the potty, reinforce him, save those reinforcers, like his all-time big time what is his most favorite reinforcer in the whole wide world? 
And I think it was chips. And I said, okay, but is there one chip? Like, what about the flaming Hot Cheetos? And she was like, yes, he loves it. Okay, we're going to reserve those. Put some in the bathroom. And she was, and I go, some people go like, ooh, food in the bathroom. I said, just don't worry about that. She said, no, no, I don't care. I'll put food in the bathroom. It's fine with me. I'll do it. I'll do it. And she was just so eager to learn more and has been reading and joining Facebook groups and, you know, just trying to learn as much as she can. And so after that home visit, we went ahead and put in some sessions. And I think it only took like four or five sessions for her to really get rocking and rolling. And then I do think that COVID to a degree impacted this for him. We think maybe, you know, you're, you're trying to guess what, what could be because it ran through, you know, different staff members, uh, mm-hmm. different students in the classroom. He had been home potentially ill with it. You know, some of us had it and didn't know I did have it. I knew because I went and got tested because I don't want to. <laughs> I know that there was a classmate who had it. And I think one of the staff members had it. And, you know, with that comes a lot of absences from yeah. him from the other students and from the staff members who get sick. And, you know, that makes the intervention even harder because we, you know, there's, there's not as much consistency as there would be if we weren't in COVID. And, you know, since we've talked about this too, being trauma informed and understanding the impact of COVID on kids, all kids, not just kids in special ed. And, you know, maybe. Well, I do wonder about some of our kids who did get COVID Because I think I've said to you, maybe not on the podcast, but in general, that I feel like the skin around my eyes was impacted by having COVID. I have family members who have their hair falling out because they had COVID and and that they, their hairdresser said, yes, I'm hearing that all the time. We have a friend who has heart damage because he had a very bad case of it and it damaged his lungs and his heart had to work really hard to try to keep up when he decided he was going to go back to exercising and realized he needed to change something. So there is the possibility that what we were seeing was some after effect of having been ill for him, potentially neurologically, which yeah. then impacted his behavior. So will time help heal that? You know, we also have to know that we're doing the things we need to do as time heals for him so that he doesn't establish some bad behaviors that then become a part of his repertoire. Right. Um, we don't want that at all. Right. Right. And, you know, well, you think about that term long haulers, you know, we, we know that in neurotypical people, a lot of long haulers have pulmonary issues and, and you know, hair falling out and things like that. But I don't know of any research that's looking at the long-term effects of kids with autism or other disabilities. And so I was reading an article today about this lady. She's a psychology professor at Ryder University. And she wrote a a thing about Ukraine and her hope for children of Ukraine who are autistic. And it was really fascinating. And I sent her an email to see if she'd like to be a guest on our conversational podcast because... You know, we're blessed in the U.S. that we get to go back to public school, you know, when COVID is winding down, hopefully, fingers crossed. But those poor kids are being evacuated to other countries who probably don't understand 
autism and they're not in, in schools, they're not being educated. And it's just, you know. Yeah. And you can't do Zoom classes yeah. when you're trying to get on a train to go to Poland. When you're trying to <laughs> escape a war. Uh, yeah. That's nothing to do. Their priorities have shifted dramatically. Uh, and you do worry about those children and what is life like for them, partic- any child, but particularly kids who have disabilities, who need regular routines, regular faces to see. And I don't know about you, but it makes yeah. me want to pack up and go to Poland and try to be helpful. And, you know, I didn't know this about Ukraine, but they've only had public education for kids with disabilities for 10 years. Up until 2011, they were either left at home or put in an institution. So, you know, I didn't know that either. So I got a little history lesson, but um, yeah, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of on a tangent, but it is just, you know, the long-term effects of COVID, the long-term effects of, of Ukraine, you know, the Russian war, it just, you know, we don't know yet. And it'll be interesting if and when they ever do do research on the long-term effects, like the long haulers of people who have special yeah. needs. So, so yeah, think yeah about. I guess we won't know. So we have a question, right? Oh, good. Will you ask it and I'll see if I can answer it? I absolutely will. Thinking about Liam's change, sudden change in his behavior and and learning and functioning in the school, which is most likely to be responsible for that? If we had to make a guess, which one do we think is most likely? Would it be A, the lack of consistent reinforcement, B, the lack of antecedent strategies, C, the lack of fidelity, or D, the lack of appropriate consequences? Well, I'm lucky on this question because I have been in the classroom multiple times, and you have too, and I know that there is consistent reinforcement. You know, the staff and the, the teacher are very good about reinforcing and understanding the schedule of reinforcement You know, like you said earlier, it was on a fixed ratio of three or four. Now it's on a continuous schedule, you know, after every correct response or whatever. So I know that that's not the issue. That classroom also uses a lot of physical and visual structure. They have schedules. They have first thens. They have furniture set up. So it's not the lack of antecedent strategies. You know, appropriate consequences, you know, reinforcement is a consequence. So we already kind of said that they have appropriate um, reinforcers. In terms of consequences for, you know, being out of area, I think that it's just lots of redirection, lots of redirection, lots of communication, you know, strategies. So I I know that they are using appropriate consequences. So, you know, by no fault of anyone's with COVID and with teacher and staff and kid absences, fidelity of programming would probably be the most likely choice given this situation and where we are in 2022. Yeah. I mean, like you said, it's not that the people that are there are not trying to do the interventions with fidelity. They absolutely are. I mean, and mom, you know, mom is too. So it's, it even goes across settings. Right. And, and mom is talking to teacher, teachers talking to mom, the fidelity is there when it is there. <laughs> the problem is through no fault of anyone, the fidelity of programming was a little bit jacked up. <laughs> That's a very technical term, jacked up. But we're not necessarily seeing that everywhere. You know, yes, everywhere kids are absent, teachers are absent, school was closed, school was open. So everyone's fidelity was a little bit messed up. But perhaps if I had to choose, that would be the only one I could choose 
for this circumstance through no fault of anyone who is trying to help this kiddo. But I do think it's something for us to think about Mm -hmm. when those kinds of things come into play is the fidelity of programming is going to be a little bit messed up through no fault of anyone's. Right. And in this particular school district and school and classroom, fidelity wouldn't be an issue if it weren't for absences. In a lot of districts that I work in, fidelity would be an issue with perfect attendance, right? Yeah. So that was, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, just in terms of fidelity in life, right? I mean, yeah. I, you know, I can get on a diet and the fidelity of that diet is probably not going to be that consistent. <laughs> and I absolutely understand that fidelity is important, but when it comes to our kids, the fidelity of their interventions is more critical than me following some silly diet. So we want that. But again, like you said, it's not about lack of desire to have fidelity. They absolutely have it when they're there. It's just a matter of too many changes. Maybe, you know, again, we're stabbing at the dark here to decide which, what was it? Could it be that he, you know, had a little glitch because he had been ill or was it because of the inconsistencies? The best thing that we can do is be consistent and continue to try and put those antecedent strategies in place and put the good reinforcers in place and um, get him back on track, which is what they did. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed the story today. And I know I like talking about that little guy because I love him and his mom and his teacher and everybody on that campus. So as always, we would love a share, like, or review on social media and or Spotify and Pandora, Apple, or Buzzsprout, wherever you listen to your podcast. Have a great weekend. And next week, we'll start our Nashville series of interviews with really fascinating people. So have a good weekend and take care and come back for a listen next week. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye.